0: going to dedicate this number to the Thompson brothers, the ER doc specialist. yet. We want to welcome all those by way of television this morning and radio and YouTube and other means of communication as we uplift many people in our thoughts and prayers and this morning we're fortunate to have someone that has some knowledge of that particular area and I'm going to call on Dr. Thompson during the service today and we are privileged also to have a meal immediately following to get plenty of food recent ordered a one pig. You know, we got some wonderful pork and we have kind of some exciting other dishes there. I think Mike and Nona and others brought some great dishes. Plenty of food, plenty of food. We've never run out of food in my ministry. And I'm pastored for 50 years. And we're not gonna run out today. So plenty of food. We encourage you to stay. And we're gonna start that video immediately. Um, threats to the Christian faith, or what? What is the proper name of it, Chris? The book, vo- the DVD. Enemies within the church. Enemies within the church. So we're going to start that immediately. While people are loading their plates, and we encourage those who may have some challenges with hearing loss to locate themselves around the table, and then those who have maybe better hearing. You know, and back away from the table, we're gonna show that video while we're eating. I think we can do two or three things at one time, right? We can eat, and eat, and have yeah, fellowship, and kind of whisper. So, um, hey, amen, we're multi-talented. You know, we may not be large in numbers, but we're high, real high in quality. So um, we're going to, I talked with um, Jack and um, <clears throat> Helen Ryder this past weekend, um, Helen's experiencing a lot of dimension. Jack had to put Helen in nursing home, and just kind of devastating, you know, the separation. And so we keep, sometimes we call him Jack, sometimes we call him John. Yeah, he's correcting me in both ways. So yeah, and all the Jacks and Johns I've known, for, for some reason they go by either name, so he'll, he'll respond. So if he happens to come, and he, he frequently listens to our television broadcast and on YouTube or Facebook. And, and also, um, Darwin called me last night and told me about Laura passing away. And so we, that was last Monday and the funeral was, was Thursday, Thursday. So keep um, the family in your thoughts and prayers. So let us turn now to our opening hymn, um, Purple Hymnos. Purple Hymnos this morning. Number 98, to God be the glory. If you'd like to stand, this is a good time to stand and stretch as we open our worship service. Those by way of television, we consider it a real honor and a privilege to be able to minister to you by television and radio and other means of communication. So, to God be the glory, purple hymnals, number 98, please. <laughs> turn to our praise song in preparation for our prayer time, here I am to worship, red praise number 58. Father God, we just want to thank you for the privilege to come and worship in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We do all hail King Jesus. We do need to realize that this is holy ground and we need to shine with the presence of Jesus in our midst. And to God, truly we all, we gather to worship, O Lord. I pray for Kim, who was a part of our Sunday school class today, and we thank you for the tremendous study. Our teacher, Ira Sims, from 9 to 10, we encourage you all to attend that. Kim was feeling a little lightheaded, and and I encourage you probably not to drive, but she was going to... We pray, Father, that you would um, be with her as she's experiencing some troubling times, we pray for the Laura Haven family and the Hanks family and those who we just, just last night found out about Laura's passing. We pray for the situations that are going on in the world, O oh Lord. I pray for Pilgrim United Methodist Church, who I recently performed the service for Pastor Bruce as he married a, a girl, LeBeau, from... Ukraine and the concern that she has for her family who were trying to, um, a number of months ago, to try to get her her dog out. And now it's difficult to get any family and friends out. And as we address one another by way of television, and YouTube and other means of communication, Facebook, We do ask for our friends in Christ from all denominations, and we have many Protestant and non-Protestant friends that listen to our worship service. And we greet you all in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our peace, and Jesus Christ who encourages us to be peacemakers. When he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. We realize this past few days, the Russian forces under orders from President Vladimir Putin, Putin invaded Ukraine. It's one of the most significant violations of territorial integrity in Europe since World War II. much of the world is outraged by this unjustifiable military intervention, and we're very anxious about what lies ahead. Lives have been lost. Communities have been seriously damaged. The ripple effects have been experienced by us all, and we are all uncertain about the extent of Russia's military adventurism. And at this critical moment as we call upon all, all to pray for peace in the Ukraine and worlds that we live in, Taiwan and many the border skirmishes, we invite everyone to pray for this day and this coming week and to carry our prayers for peace into the, this holy season of Lent as we begin Lent and Ash Wednesday on March 2nd. Now as we realize the social principles of many denominations and especially the United Methodist Church is that we, we deplore war and we urge the peaceful settlement of disputes among nations. We, we yearn for the day when there will be no more war and people will live together in peace and justice. And let us pray out of this deep yearning for peace and for better world. We stand with the churches, the Christians in Ukraine in prayer for protection, for protection, for reconciliation and peace. We ask, O Lord, your hand to be upon our nation and our prayer warriors. Many of us know of those i know my brother in the methodist church the reverend dr freud fred Vanderworth, our southwestern district superintendent a south prairie district and his wife stacy who served as united methodist missionaries in ukraine and he shared with me many of us have been inquiring how our friends from our time of missionary service are doing in re- Ukraine, and he appreciates the inquiries. And they lived in the, the western city of Liv, where Ukrainian identity is preserved well. And like over 90% of Ukraine, they long to be respected as a sovereign a sovereign nation and people. And so far, missiles have not landed, and we thank you for their far, for the safety and the provision. And we're concerned about disinformation, disinformation that's being spread through social media. And the best way we can help to support legitimate sources is, for example, it's been suggested that Ukraine was an initial aggressor and Russia is simply responding. And this is categorically untrue, mostly We would like the world to know that this diabolical scheme of President Putin is not merely an attack on the sovereignty of Ukraine, but a potential catalyst for world war. And our concern is for Ukraine, peace. But that what happens there affects us all. As we pray for peace, we also look for ways to wage peace. It's it's hard to know how currently And it's hard to know how currently, but sacrifices at the gas station or in our investment portfolios are are the very least we can endure for a people whose lives lay in the balance and and the nation. Friends, let us ask for peace for the Ukraine. We pray for a world within the Ukraine Ukraine. We pray for a world where people will live in peace and justice, and there will no more be war. And I pray as my brother comes, as he shares his experiences, may we solidify in our hearts Romans 14:19, that reminds us pursue what makes for peace. As grace and peace in Jesus' name, Amen. Brother, would you come and share? Here a number of years ago, I, I was asked to speak at an at, as a, to an at-to-shave group, and one of the key leaders was a, a general. He was also a professor at one of the universities and was a close friend of Putin, and Putin, we took pictures here a number of years ago, and he told me, he says, you know, we're not much different, we want peace. We want peace in the United States. He said, you have chaplains that protects and maintains the gospel of Christianity, and we in Russia are, are agnostics. And in any, he shared some parting words that I still remember that many of the soldiers have gone through four and five marriages and the breakdown of morality. Would you come now, brother, and introduce yourself? For those by way of television, you're not a stranger to this pulpit, but you may be a stranger to those. I thank your pastor for letting me
1: take the podium here. I just donated blood uh, four days ago, the day that the Russians moved into Ukraine. I'm O positive and cytomegalovirus naive, so they can give my blood to the little children. And I hadn't donated for over a year because of the COVID. So. It's nice to be here where I can hang on if I feel a little weak as I talk, and I'm not going to talk very long, but we're living definitely in the signs of the last days. Nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. I've been to the Ukraine twice in 1999 on a medical mission and again in 2000. When I was there in 99, we arrived with a company of uh, Christian missionaries of not Lutheran, which is my background, but Baptist, And they were witnessing to the people, and we were providing medical care for the rural areas of Ukraine. We flew in through Kiev, and that's the right pronunciation. Our interpreters were from Kharkov. That's the right interpretation of the second largest city in Ukraine, Kharkov. Uh, and they were closest to the Russian border, and they wanted to go back to the old Soviet system. So you can see that there's been a little turmoil along that eastern coast. The thing that I wanted to mention today is that men shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased, wars and rumors of wars, and there'll be a great folly in way of the faith. But in Ukraine, I noticed a great uh, resumption of their faith. The year 1999 was an election year. We came in through the airport in Kiev and we had to open up all our crates, bringing in medication and everything, and they had to examine everything. There was troops all over the airport. They didn't have their Kleznikov guns at the ready, but you felt definitely that they were carefully scrutinizing everything you were doing. I even had to open up my little case of an otoscope, and they had an, oh, there's uh, batteries in here. Is this a bomb? No, no. I said, this is what you look in ears and, and the throat and what, what not with. So we got through the uh, screening, and we went on to uh, do uh, a three-hour bus ride in an old rickety bus to the Zatoma region, and that's where we worked out for the next two weeks in uh, rural areas. Every other day, we'd go to a different site. And give medical care. And uh, during that time that we were there, we stayed in a family in uh, Zatomer region. And then the second year when I went there in 2000, we got uh, fortunately a chance to stay in the same family. And uh, they had been so overjoyed because the year that we were there in 99, there was an election and it strongly went for freedom and democracy. The only area that was still wanting to go for uh, the Soviet system was along the eastern border where Putin invaded, what was it, about eight years ago or six years ago or something after Crimea. To make a long story short, they were so happy that they had now freedom and they were out from underneath the atheistic Soviet system that when we went back the second year, four of the eight different sites in the rural areas that we were ministering to with our medical care, they were building new Baptist churches. And that shows that this is a fight right now between good and evil, Satan rules Russia, and the Lord rules in Ukraine, and that's why they have the strength to stand and fight, and there's probably angelic beings that are making some of the Russians just lay down their arms, they won't even fight. And so we can keep them in our prayers, and thank you for letting me talk, and bring a little uh, word of the Lord to you that uh, he will rise as the end times come, There's a coming world dictator, and the Jews have now returned to Palestine, and we want to be ready and not be scoffers, because the second coming of Christ is eminent. Thank you.
0: You may want to give us some updates in the future. Want to be mindful of, of the Scripture this morning. And, Mike, you may want to come. Our Scripture reading is taken from Luke chapter 9, 28 and following. You take a moment to examine that scripture. Many of you know that the docs served in my local area and have kind of retired in this area, Alexandria. That's where our, our, our daughter Joy served for a while. Alexandria, fine, fine community. Reading now from Luke's Gospel. To give you a little territorial understanding about traditionally is looked upon as Mount Tabor. I can't take any credit for that, it just happen to be a similar last name, Tabor, that Mount of Transfiguration, reading from the twenty-eighth verse of the ninth chapter. It's also recorded in Matthew chapter 17 and Mark chapter 9. Referred to in Second Peter. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became dazzling, dazzling white. I read this particular scripture when I led a group over to israel and mount Tabor there and suddenly they saw two men moses and elijah talking to him and they appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure which he was about to accomplish at jerusalem now peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep but but since they had stayed awake they saw his glory, and the two men who stood with him. And as just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, "Master, it is good for us to, to be here for, for us to make three dwellings, one for you. In fact, the name of these dwellings are actually Tabor Tabor and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And not knowing what he said, while he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said this, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen.
2: Good morning, brothers and sisters. My later sermon, fortunately or not, unfortunately I'm not sure, is going to be on Luke 15, 11-32. I didn't have the month of the, the scripture I was looking at, so sorry about that. Anyway, I'll read it and uh, then comment on it. Luke 15, 11-32. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that falls to me. And he divided his living between them. Now many days later, the younger son son gathered all he had and took his journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in loose living. Or sin, I would say. And when he had spent everything, A great famine arose in the country, and he began to be in want. So he went and joined himself to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have fed on the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, but I perish here with hunger? I will rise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was yet a distance, at a distance, his father saw him and with compassion ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and make merry, for this this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to make merry and party. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing, And he called one of the servants and asked, what what does this mean, what this meant? And he said, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him safe and sound. But he was hungry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, lo, these many years I have served you, and I never, of course he had, but he said never, disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a kid. And that I might make merry with my friends. But when in this son of yours come, who has devoured your living with harlots, you killed for him the fatted calf. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to make merry and be glad. For this your brother is dead and is alive. He was lost and now is found. That scripture told about a man with two sons. The parable was only told Luke's gospel. The other gospels don't have that story or parable. The custom based on in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 17, says you divide your property equally between your sons. The older one gets a third of it, each each one of your sons get a third of property. This man only had two sons. So he gave the, the first one, the senior brother 67%. The other brother was supposed to get 33 but the younger son took the money he got from his father, and he went on and he wasted it in a foreign land. I guess sinful ways, Either or both. When he came back and talked to his father and said he wanted to share the property, that's that could be taken as oh, my son wants me dead so he can get his inheritance. The father did not do that. The father gave it to him, his third. And now he went out and wasted the money. This is where the identity of two sons kind of came to light. The younger son that took the money and wasted it more or less represents the, the Gentiles. And prior to pass away, the father had divided it. Two-thirds, the one son, and one-third of the other. The younger son that had gone out and wasted the money, all of his inheritance, was saying, he goes, oops, this, I messed up. This is serious. I have to go back and apologize to my father. He said, I'm hungry. He was feeding pigs. That's an unclean animal. Not only are they unclean, but the food they eat is even worse for him. He was feeding pigs. He goes, oh. I can go back to my father and apologize. Now I feel bad. You see, he wasn't successful without his father. I want to point that out. What can we do apart from God? We will not be successful. We won't be able to do anything without God. Because he left his father and went on to his wild living stint. He wasted it all. It all went to nothing. He wasn't with his father. Then when he came back to his father, to apologize, There was a great famine. He had no money left because he had wasted it all, and he was starving. So he ate the pods that he was supposed to feed the pigs. From the, He decided to go home and apologize to his dad. And from a distance, his father saw him coming. He said, oh, here comes my son. He's back. He ran out, gave him a hug and shot him with kisses. So look at the reaction of the father here. When he saw his lost son coming, he told the servants, go get the best robe we have, put it on him. That was a big deal. And then he told other servants, go fill the fatted calf. That's a special animal that was supposed to be uh, eaten only on special occasions. This man thought this was worth killing the fatted calf. He wanted to celebrate the return of his son. The older brother walked by, the one that hadn't gone away, and noticed a celebration happening in his dad's house, and his wayward brother was back. This was a celebration he wouldn't have anything to do with because he's like, no, no, that should be my fatty calf. I listened to my dad. I didn't go away It was the inheritance. That's mine, and he got mad. But the father standing in the house, house saw him, and he ran out and, like I said, charred him with hugs and kisses. But the older son was mad because his dad had killed the fatted calf for the younger one, the one that had gone astray, and said, I don't want anything to do with this. The older brother seems to me represents represent the Pharisees. They looked down on others, just like the older brother looked down at the younger brother and love to grumble about stuff. Call people sinners and tax collectors, whether or not they were. They were judgmental. The lesson to learn from this, especially like from the Father, nobody deserves or has earned God's grace or forgiveness. Nobody on earth has been able to do that. Nobody will do that. Nobody has done that. It's only done one way. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The lesson I like to say, we we should learn that no one deserves God's grace and forgiveness, but we do have it through the actions of Jesus Christ. And go home to our Father, because we're lost. We're not in heaven with Father God. But we can go home to Father God through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know if most of you realize that our... ER docs. Their father was a a real godly Lutheran minister. The event in our scripture that was um, basically about the transfiguration is a a scripture that's being honored among all churches today. It's a scripture in the lectionary we consider as a transfiguration Sunday in the the event that's described in these verses is commonly called the transfiguration. And it's one of the most remarkable in the history of our Lord's earthly ministry. Sometimes it's underrated, but it's, it's truly remarkable because it's recorded in other Gospels. And it's one of those passages which we should always read with, with a very peculiar thankfulness thankfulness. It lifts a corner of the veil in which hangs over the world to come and the world to come and and it it throws light on some of the deepest truths, the truths of our religion. And you and I are here because we want to learn those deep truths of understanding. Well, in the first place this passage shows us something of the glory which Christ will have at his second coming, which our beloved E.R. Doc was referring to and which we reproduced in your bulletins. You can witness this scripture coming before you and I. We read that the very fashion, the fashion of his countenance was altered and his raiment was white and glistening and that the disciples who were with him saw his glory. Try to open your minds and understandings and your imaginations to what this glorious may have been. We need not doubt that this marvelous vision was meant to not only encourage and strengthen our Lord's disciples, they had just been hearing of the cross, they were being prepared for the passion of Christ and the self-denial and the sufferings in which they must submit themselves if they would be saved, and if you and I are to be saved. They were now cheered by a glimpse of the, the glory that should follow and the reward with which all faithful servants of their master would one day receive, and we look forward to ourselves. They had seen their master's day of weakness. They now saw for a few minutes a very pattern a, and a specimen of his future, future power, his humiliation and his power. And let us take comfort in the thought that there are good things laid up in store for all true Christians which shall make ample amends for the sacrifices and the afflictions of this present moment in time. Now is the season for carrying the cross. Now is the time for sharing in our Savior's humiliation the crown The kingdom, the glory, and all are yet to come. Christ and his people are now like David in the cave of Abdullam as David ran from various forces within his own country. David was despised, and at times maybe you and I are lightly esteemed by the world. There seems, there seems no form or comeliness in Jesus according to scripture or in his service maybe at times but the hour cometh and will soon be here when Christ shall take to himself the great power and the reign, and put down every enemy under his feet and then the, the glory which was first seen for a few minutes by them witnesses on Mount Tabor, on the Mount of Transfiguration, shall be seen by all the world and all eternity. In the second place this morning, as we examine the scripture, this passage shows us the, the safety, safety, of all true believers who have been removed from the world. We are told that when our Lord appeared in his glory, that Moses and Elijah were seen with him, standing and speaking with him, our loved ones that have gone home to be with the Lord are protected. Moses had been dead nearly 1,500 years. Elijah had been taken up by a whirlwind from the earth more than 900 years before. Yet they were there, and here these holy men were seen once more alive, and not only alive, but they, they were seen in their glorified bodies. And let you and I take comfort in the blessed thought that there is a resurrection. There is a resurrection and a life to come, and and all is not over when the last breath is drawn. There is another world beyond the grave. But above all, let us take comfort in the thought that until that day, until that day dawns and, and the resurrection begins, the people of God are safe with Christ. There is much about their present condition, no doubt, which is deeply mysterious. Where is their local habitation? What knowledge have they of things on earth? These are questions that you and I, we can only speculate and cannot truly answer according to scripture. And we will bring them to him at the last day. Those answers, those cares of them. He showed them Moses and Elijah to his disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration, and he will show us, you and I, all who have fallen asleep in Christ at his second advent. Our brethren, our sisters, and our brothers in Christ who have preceded us in death are in good keeping. They are not lost, but gone before. And in the third place, this passage shows us that the the Old Testament, the Old Testament saints in glory take a deep interest in Christ atoning, atoning death. We are told that when Moses and Elijah appeared in glory with our Lord on the Mount of Transfiguration, they talked, they talked with him. And what was the subject of their conversation? We are not obliged to make conjectures and, and guesses about this. St. Luke tells us they spake of his demise, his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. They knew the meaning of that death. They know how much depended upon that death. Therefore, they talked about it. It is a grave mistake, a mistake to suppose that, that holy men and women under the Old Testament knew nothing about the sacrifice which Christ was to offer up for the sin, your sin and my sin, the sins of the world. Their light, no doubt, was far less clear than ours. They, they saw things afar off and, and indistinctly, which we see as if we were close at hand. But there is not the slightest proof that any Old Testament saint ever looked to any other satisfaction for sin but that which god promised to make by sending his messiah the truth and the life the lord jesus christ from abel down words to the whole company of old believers appear to have been ever resting on this this promising sacrifice and the blood of the almighty was efficient yet to be revealed from the beginning of the world there has never been but one foundation of hope and one foundation of peace for you and I as sinners. It was the death of the almighty mediator, the mediator between God and man. That foundation is the center truth of all revealed religion. It is the subject of which Moses and Elijah were seen speaking when they appeared in glory. They spoke of the atoning death of Christ. And let us take heed that this death of Christ Is the ground, the very ground and foundation of our confidence. Nothing else will give us comfort in the hour of death and the day of judgment. Our own works are all defective and imperfect, but our sins are are more in number than the hairs of our heads, according to Psalmist in the 40th chapter, the 12th verse. Christ dying for our sins, dying for our sins, and rising again for our justification, must be our only plan and plea if we wish to be saved. But happy is a person who has learned to cease, cease from their good works into glory and nothing but glory in the cross of Christ. If saints in glory see in Christ's death so much beauty that they must needs talk of it, how much more ought you and I as sinners on earth? And in the last place, the passage shows us the immense distance the distance between Christ and all other teachers whom God has given to us. we are told we are told that Peter, not knowing what he said, proposed to make three tabernacles on the mountain, one for Jesus, one for Moses and one for Elias, as if all three deserved equal honor, which this proposal, was at once rebuked in a very remarkable way. There came a voice from the Lord, a voice from the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son. The Father stated, This is my beloved Son. Hear Him. Hear Him. That voice was the voice of God the Father Almighty conveying both reproof and instruction. That voice proclaimed to Peter's ears that however great Moses and Elijah might be their stood one before him, far greater than they. They were but servants. Jesus was to be the king's son. They were but stars. He was the son, the S-U-N and S-O-N. They were but witnesses, and he was the truth. Father, we pray that the scripture would be embedded in our hearts of transfiguration. Forever let that solemn word let the Father ring in our ears and give the keynote to our religion. Let us honor ministers for their master's sake. Let us follow them so long as they follow Christ. But let it be our principal aim to hear Christ's voice and to follow Jesus, Jesus where, whithersoever Jesus goeth. Let some talk, let some talk if they will, of the voice of the church. Let others be content to say, I hear this creature or that clergy person, but let us never be satisfied unless the Spirit, the Spirit of God witnesses within us that we hear Christ himself and our Jesus disciples. With every head bowed and every eye closed and those by way of television and radio and Facebook and other means of communication, would you be so honored to pray In Jesus' name, together. Dear Jesus, we thank you for your forgiveness. We repent. We seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. Transfigure us, O Lord. Prepare us for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. As we wait upon you for your tithes and your offerings today and as the ushers come forward, I trust that you will hear him. And would you join me in our offertory prayer printed in our bulletins as we prepare for our offertory hymn, Be Thou My Vision? Let us pray together. Transforming God, we come to your altar this morning knowing that in our giving and in our living we have often put just enough into living our faith so as not to impact our lifestyle or cause too much discomfort. We have been reluctant to let go of our affinity for the things of this world. And in our attachments, we have often missed the opportunity for the transformed lives you desire for us. May our offering this morning be an invitation to living a life radically transformed by your power, your love, and grace. We pray this in the mighty love of Jesus. Amen. And if you'd be so kind to turn in your purple hymnals to Be Thou My Vision, purple hymnals number 451, please. you stand for the doxology, please. Father God, we are truly thankful and grateful for the many blessings that you give to us, that you are a holy God of light that overcomes darkness and and death. We thank you, Father, for your hand upon Ukrainians as they continue to fight the demonic forces of Russia. As we offer our tithes and offerings to you this morning, we pray that we may give the confidence and the assurance of those fully convinced and our promise of resurrection and hope. As those in need come across our paths and as we remember those who are fleeing the country and those who are invading, we just pray, Father, that supernaturally you would intervene and that the world would know and see the demonic influence of the Russians. Help us to experience our generosity as those who have no need to hold back or hedge our bets. May we live our days giving freely with love and grace as we pray for those in need, not as those who have the hope only of salvation, but the promise. It's the promise. It's not a hope so, think so, feel so, but it's a promise. In those, Christ's name we pray. Amen. Is there any announcements that we need to make? I see that hand, Robin.
3: update of what's going on in ukraine a friend of mine her family immigrated here during the fall of the soviet union part of her family's ukrainian part of her family's russian and we've been corresponding back and forth and she told me that as of yesterday in the basement of a 10th floor story building last night and she told me that 8 a.m is our time um two of the kids are with them and grandkids. Her friend Audrey's area separated, and I asked her, are you okay? Is your family okay? She said, so far, they're stuck in the basement. And she said, I can share this as long as the truth is unaltered. Keep in mind, we don't know if it's Russia or Ukraine that is actually attacking Russian soldiers captured as to the fact they don't want a though. And she sent me an article about Mikhailov Military Hospital was entered by a Russian soldier, Wounded in the process of repelling the attack of the Russian troops, Mikolov reported that Russian troops did not expect such pressure from the Ukrainian army. She was straight from Mikolov, small city next to Black Sea, surrounded by three sides. And I asked her about warships in that area, and she said, "Not that she knows of." I don't trust the media, and I told her this. I said, "Since." Since you have family, I'm trusting the boots on the ground because I don't trust the media.
0: Thank you, Robin. Chris, did you have something? Any other questions or concerns? Father God, we just want to thank you for blessing us today. Bless our food and our fellowship that immediately following the service as we go and immediately watch the video and eat in Jesus' name. Amen.